So we'll see how that works. So if you're joining us for the first time, you can bring me down a little bit, Greg. You're good. Just bring me down a little. Good, 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 good. All right, cool. Hey, so when we started this series, we realized that a lot of people feel overstretched with their time. We realize that a lot of you are just like trying to figure out how to manage life, which has become a really common problem, like how to manage family and how to manage ministry and how to manage kids and how to manage just life circumstances and work and job and how do you put it all together and how do you do it in a way that honors God? The first week that we talked about this, we went through to number our days. We looked at Psalm 90, we looked at Moses and how he numbered his days. And we looked at this psalm, we said, look, it's not just about numbering your days till the day you die. You literally should number your days, like the 24 hours that are in a day, the seven days that are in a week. We looked at the fact that God has built constraints into our time. All of us get 24 hours. All of us get seven days a week. And all of us one day will give an account for the time that we have had on earth. But number in our days is bigger than that. And we ask you to actually say, do an inventory of your week. What's it look like for you? You came back the next week and we looked at a really interesting text. And we asked the question, how full is your plate? And we actually gave you a little dessert plate. If you were hearing on the dessert plate, you got to say, what am I saying no to? So I can say yes to the things that God really wants me to say yes to. And what I've learned, and I've never gotten good at this, I always have to rebalance this from time to time, is there comes moments in my life where I'm like, I got to start saying no to a lot more stuff and clean up my plate because it's just overfilled so I can say yes to the best of things that God wants for me. And so that was, if you missed that message, go back and look at it. Because today what we're going to look at is if you've gotten to that place that you said, okay, I understand that my time is constrained. I understand I need to say no to a lot of good stuff so I can say yes to the best of things. Today we want to look at, can you redeem time? Now it's interesting because we're going to look at two texts that weren't, they're not in your notes, but we're going to look at them briefly where it says that you can redeem time, but I think biblically it's misunderstood. So let me give you an illustration of where we're going so that when we look at the biblical text, maybe it will help you. So I need a volunteer that's willing to buy this book and I'm, I'm going to haggle with you. Anyone want to haggle for it? Haggle with me. And what do you want to pay for this? Nothing. Okay. Somebody else, somebody else. She give me a dollar. I'm up to a dollar. Anybody else want to buy this? Anybody? A dollar? Okay. Okay. She's got five. Okay. I, I got 10. Okay. We're good. So for sake of argument and brevity, we'll say Donald won. Okay. So Donald, come up here. Bring your 10 bucks. Okay. Now, as Donald comes up here, hold your 10 bucks. If I were to sell this to Donald, where's my, where, Scott is going to understand this better than anybody in the audience because I'm about to pawn this. I've pawned this to him for 10 bucks. The idea of biblical redemption is now I want to redeem it. Now, he thought it was worth 10 bucks. I'm going to buy it back for 15. That sounds like a great deal. Is that a good deal? Yeah. Okay. This is the idea of biblical redemption. So I've redeemed this. It started out as only 10, but I've redeemed it with 15. Now, let's say I prayed about it. And I, as I prayed about it, I got a whole new perspective that probably what I should have done because I love this guy and I love the direction of his life, was sign it before he even knew he was going to get it and then give it to him because Christ had redeemed it already. Now do you get an idea of biblical redemption? So you can sit down. Go, go love on your wife, okay? So, so this is the idea of biblical redemption, and we can understand it when we look at a commodity. But the second I started looking at that from time, it gets complicated, doesn't it? It gets harder because once you spend time, you can't go, well, let me buy it back, which is what makes this such a difficult message to think through. So here's what I'm, I'm going to give you the two passages, and then I'm going to help you to understand this, I hope, in a better way. So here's the passage, not in your notes. It's Ephesians 5, 
15 through 16. So write that down on the side of your notes. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Now I'm going to give it to you first in the old King Jimmy, King James, because it actually uses the word redeemed. So I'll try to get this right because King Jimmy and I sometimes don't feel eye to eye in my mouth, okay? See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So if you're to Google redeeming time, this text is going to come up because King James rendered the text this way. Now, when the people that wrote the NIV came around, they said, but is this really the idea of redeeming time? Because you can't redeem time the same way. So NIV renders this different. Look how NIV renders it. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, they're very similar, but you see in the NIV that there's something unique about the redemption of time because you can't do it the same way. I can't do it the way I did the book illustration. Time, that time has been spent. It's gone. I can't get it back. But what I can do is going forward is make the best of every moment and every day. If I were to give this to you in a song that some of you would understand, not one of the songs we heard today, but one you would understand, how many of you are Tim McGraw fans? Any Tim McGraw fans? Some. Famous song everybody likes. Live like you were. If you know this song, if you don't know it, you can Google it. Okay, it's for old farts that like country music like me. Okay, but you can Google it. And when you Google it, you'll get this idea that in the song, there's this idea that the guy just found out he's gonna die. And because he found out he's going to die, he begins to redeem every day as if it's going to be his last day. That's right. That's the idea of how you redeem time. So then you're like, okay, so the past few weeks, think what we've done. We've said, here's how our time works right now. We've, we've mapped our time first week. Then we said, we know we're going to have to say no to some things so we can say yes to the greatest of things. And then we said, but figuring that out, that's hard. How do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? So when I was praying over this, I was ha hanging out with some other pastors, and we said, well, who better to look to? And we said this at the beginning of the series than Jesus of how he used his time. Think about it. Talk about live like you're going to die. So he's born, lives a, a life of only 33 and a half years, and he starts his public ministry with only three and a half years to change the world. He knows he's got to live differently than the rest of the way we think. All of us think we're getting 75, 80, right? We think we're going to get that. But we don't know. Jesus knows he's got three and a half years to change the entire world. So why would he live? You would think he would live up to the hill, taking every opportunity. But we come to this text, which is a famous text. I call it the water walking text. Most of us want to get right to the miracle, right to the water walking. But I think there's something here of greater depth and importance to us because we miss it in context. So let me give you context before we jump into this next text. The context of what we're about to read, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. This is in the Gospel of Matthew. It's repeated in a couple of the others. He fed 5,000 people. Y'all know the little story if you grew up in Sunday school, right? A whole bunch of crowds hanging out. They say, hey, Jesus, it's getting kind of you know, late. These people are hungry. Send them away into town, let them buy their own daggone food. And he says, no, y'all feed them. They're like, what? <laughs> All we've got is what, church family? Got some loaves and we got some fish. Surely not enough to feed 
All these folks. And then Jesus performs this miracle where everybody's fed and everybody goes away filled as far as the food. And then he sends them away and he sends the disciples on. So that's the context. Now in the middle of all this, look at this with me in Matthew 14, 22 through 26, and you're going to see a redemption of time moment that's going to surprise us. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out for fear. Now every preacher I know can't wait to get to the next moment which is where Jesus calls Peter out to the water and he has a sinking moment, which is a really fun thing to preach on. But when I was looking at this, I'm like, there's something deeper before we get to the water walking that we miss, especially when it comes to time. So let me give you the preposition. Let me just give you the whole thing in advance. Here's, here it is. Christ redeemed his time through prayer. He redeemed every ounce of his time through prayer. The way he prayed, when he prayed, how he prayed, the conversation that he had with the living God is how he redeemed every moment of time. Now, let me give it to you in a secular way so I can hope to connect both the spiritual and the practical for you. So I was an engineer for nine years. And before I was an engineer, I was a technician working on some components. And we would have to align those components. And one day, my boss came to me and he said, hey, we've noticed that your productivity has doubled what happened? We want to know. You went from this productivity to now you've doubled your productivity. What happened that was different? I said, well, it'll sound kind of different. I said, but as I prayed about my work, I decided I needed to spend about 30 minutes just looking at all the jobs you gave me for the week. Because I figured out if I spent 30 minutes before I just jumped into doing something, I could reorder all the jobs in a different way to increase my productivity. He's like, oh, that makes absolute sense. I said, but most of us just rush in and just start the job. I just gave thought to all the things that were in front of me and put them in an order that I thought would be better. I, I'm submitting to you that in Jesus's life, the way he redeemed his time was the same way. He spent time in prayer with the Father and said, how do you want to reorient my life today, now, this week, this moment? Like, and, and it gave space for God to surprise him in these moments. And that's what really looks like when we redeem time. So let's redeem time like Jesus did. So here's how you do it. First thing you have to do, you let others go. Mm. You let others go. In verse 22, immediately it says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And he dismissed the crowd. We don't like this, first of all. We think we're being successful when we draw the crowd. We think the drawing of the crowd is the goal and it is the win. We think that's what it's all about. And in this moment, you see Jesus going, no, 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 I fed y'all, get out, okay? It's like a bad party, you know what I'm saying? Y'all came, you ate my food, move on, okay? And then the other ones, he's like, y'all are knuckleheads, I know it and I love you, you're, our, you're my knuckleheads, get in the boat and get across, okay? This is a paraphrase, this is like Larry's version of the Bible, okay? But that's what he did. And then he goes up on the mountainside to hang with God. You hear us talk about a hang time at this church. 
That's why it's so important. And he hung out with God. And when he was hanging out with God, he had some interesting conversations. But to do that, he had to let people go. What we do, let's just be honest, is we let people control every minute of our life. Somehow we give them power and leverage. And sometimes, I'm, I'm just giving it to you, Jesus let them go. And he let them go for the opportunity to actually spend time just with God. Here's, here's a principle, and I hope it helps you. You cannot make every event. You cannot make every game of your kid or your cousin. You cannot make every appointment that's actually given to you. And you probably will not make every opportunity that's available to you. You have to learn to do something we talked about last week, which is you have to choose to cheat. You're going to cheat someone out of your time. The person you should never cheat out of your time is the living God. He waits to meet with you, to talk to you, to spend time with you. I don't know if you've ever thought about it from this perspective, but when you go to do your devotion, it's not like you're doing your devotion. Check. I read the word. Check. I threw up my prayer. No, no. The living God of the universe that breathed everything into being waits for an appointment with you and me to just spend time with us, to know our heart, to know what's going on. And the only way we can do that is you've got to let other people go. And they're going to be mad with you. I'm going to tell you in advance. When you say, I'm sorry, I can't make that, I've got an appointment to talk to God. That's going to rub, that's going to rub, rub some feathers, right? Some stuff is going to go down. Here's the problem with our, our world and the way we think. We have what I call cultural misalignment. We let the culture dictate to us how we're going to spend our time, where we're going to go, what we do, and how we're going to do it. And it's time for the church to say we don't live that way. We live in a different way. We have a different time schedule. We think about time in a different way, and it's going to be so countercultural to the way the other the culture around us thinks. It's going to mess them up, and it's going to mess us up. But that's how you have kingdom impact. Can you imagine if you flip the story on Jesus? If Jesus said, all right, y'all go, and then he jumped in the boat with the boys, okay? It would have been a different story altogether. What would have happened if he said, this is kind of cool. I mean, we just fed some, all these people. Y'all hang out. Put up some tents. Like, let's, let's chill. Like, man, let's, let's, get, let's smoke some of these fish because that's going to be really good compared to y'all just eating them up and, and leaving, right? It changes the whole story. But the fact that he said, y'all need to go. And the reason you need to go is I have to spend time with the Father. I need to hear his voice. And that's why the second piece ties right into it. You prioritize prayer even if you miss the boat. You prioritize prayer even if it causes you to miss the boat. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, circle evening, if you've got a text Bible or highlight it, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance. By the way, it was three to four miles from where he was, if you want to know the exact amount, from the land. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. The word used in the original Greek for evening is significant. It doesn't matter if you can pronounce it or say it. That's not what's important. What's really important is it was a very specific moment in time. When it says evening, the Greek word there is actually early evening or late afternoon. Now, y'all get this intuitively. If I said we're going to hang out late afternoon or early evening, what time is that? Go ahead, throw it out. Five. What else? Six. It's between five and seven. 
Yo, dinner time. That's right. It's dinner time. That's exactly the time. He just fed them, said, see ya. And then it's at evening time. It's right on. You can imagine this in your head. It was evening time. It was the time when you would normally have supper. And he hangs out with these people. And that's the exact word used here when it says evening. And by the way, it's the exact same word when he fed them. Then it says the same word when he says he dismisses them, which means they're eating and their dismissal was like really close. Okay? Y'all ever had one of those guests that won't leave your house? Yeah. Where's Kevin? Kevin and Ilsa met at our house playing dominoes. That's how they fell in love. Okay, they came over and I said, we'll make the introduction because my wife was playing matchmaker. I said, this never ends well when you try to match people up because they're all both going to be mad at you or they're both going to be happy with you, right? So they came and after we had dinner and did dominoes, they just stared at each other like love struck, you know, people. And I'm like, I love y'all, but I'm going to bed. Okay, I'm leaving. It's time. Literally, Jesus fed him, said, I'm out of here. I got to go spend time with God. And when he did that, he intentionally missed the boat. I guarantee, I guarantee there was a conversation between Jesus and God where there was a running conversation or the previous morning, that morning when he talked to him, where he said, I want you to not go in the boat, but I want you to send them in the boat and I want you to send the crowd away. Jesus is listening to the father and he's doing whatever the father says. Exact same word when he fed them, exact same word when he dismisses them, which means it's between that five and seven hour. Now look, he went out to them on the fourth watch. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's biblical talk for three to 6 a.m. So somewhere in that fourth watch, that's when Jesus goes out to them on the water. So now do the math. If they were three to four miles away, let's just say the average person walks at three miles an hour, but hey, walking on water is a little harder. Let's just assume that. So he walked at a mile and a half an hour, that's two hours. That means he spent somewhere between six and nine hours in prayer after he dismissed everybody. And we have a hard time with 10 to 15 minutes. And Jesus went six to nine hours in prayer. What do you talk about for six to nine hours? Some of you, that's not a problem. For some of us, that is a problem. I don't even like to talk to people on the phone. So this was hard for me when I was early in my faith. But as I meditate on this, I think about Jesus in this moment and what he was talking to God about, I think about things like this. He reviewed his day. You ever do that with people you love? Hey, let's talk about what happened today. Let's talk about the people we met. Let's talk about the circumstances. Can I tell you about my frustration today on certain things, Lord? Can we just talk about this? I bet he talked about his frustration with certain people. Mm-hmm. This one I understand, Lord. I get this one, Jesus. And I bet he brought those people before God and said, look, did you see what that knucklehead did? Oh my goodness. Like I can just see these conversations. The Lord going, now Jesus, I know you're down in the flesh, but be a little more patient with some of those folks. Some of them require what we call EGR, extra grace required. Just give them a little bit more grace, okay? It's gonna be all right. I bet the conversation went something like this. His fascination with people. Did you see what was happening? Did you see how their lives were being transformed? Did you see the stirring of what was happening with the Holy Spirit in the lives of people as he was becoming more alive and more active in the interaction that we were having over something as silly as a meal? I bet he talked about the agenda for that night. Okay, now that we've talked about the day, what are you doing tonight? What do you want me to do tonight? What would you like me to do tomorrow? I bet he talked about the moment of walking on the water. Can you imagine the conversation? Jesus is having a great conversation with his father. They're hanging out. They're having this hang time. 
And then he says, oh, by the way, they're really in trouble right now. <laughs> it's not going well for the fishermen. They're losing their mind, okay? The boat's getting crazy, and they don't know what to do. And he's like, what do you want me to do, Lord? I want you to walk out to them. <laughs> oh, that's, that's trippy, right? <laughs> Can you imagine the conversation? Not walk around and meet them, okay? I want you to walk out to them. Can you, I mean, just picture what's going on in the conversation that he's having with God. And all because he missed the boat. None of this happens if he just rushes ahead into everything. He had to take time to miss the boat. Recently, I just got back from a trip. It was a long trip. And the older you get, aren't car trips harder the older you get? Y'all with me? Okay. And you know it's bad when your friends say, let me tell you a secret about long car trips as you age. Eat lots of ibuprofen. You know you're in a different phase of life when you're eating what they call adult Tic Tacs, okay? So you can make it through the drive. So I had a long drive. I got back. I'm tired. Of course, I want to spend time just with my family and wife, but I had an appointment with someone, and I knew in prayer that it was a very important appointment. And I went and met with them, and we had a, um, a coffee that morning, and it was a person I was supposed to meet with under the excuse of helping them to write their book. But as we met and just talked about life, they start opening up the hurt and pain of where they are. They start confessing deep issues that were 14 years in length. 14 years of holding on to a painful situation. My wife later joined us and we got to talk in depth with this person. And it went way past the time I allotted for it. But I could so tell that God had appointed this moment. But if I would have tried to make the boat or the next thing, I would have missed it. An element I can share from this church's history is when they were looking for a new pastor and they came together and they said, look, let's put all the resumes aside for a second and let's just spend time in prayer. Let's just spend time asking God what he's doing in our church and what he wants to do. And you would think, well, that's a waste of, of time. You got these resumes in front of you, you need to clear them, you need to walk through them. But they said, I mean, we have to miss the boat so we can hear God's voice more clearly. That's this idea. And in Jesus, we get this perfect illustration. Like you see it, don't you? Like he missed out on all the stuff that we would have jumped right into. And he did it so he could just spend time in prayer. Just spend time with God, talking to him. That's why the third thing is you've got to leave space for water walking moments. You gotta leave space for it. You gotta leave margin in your life, in your schedule, in the course of your week, in the course of your day, so that God can show up in a conversation with you and say, go there, do this, read this, spend time in this, hang out with your family. I love that. It says, during the fourth watch. What a weird time. Like only goofy people like me are up at that time, right? At the night, at, at the night Jesus, um, on, of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. It's so easy in this text to focus on the miracle of the water walking that you miss what led up to it. Here's a leadership no-no I was taught. You know, you go and you do all this leadership and leadership education. And one of the things they tell you, especially in the military, is if you don't know the answer, don't tell anybody. Like, you need to know that you know that you're, 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 you need to make everybody confident that you know where you're headed and where you're going. And they tell you that's a leadership no-no to say that, especially to people that you're supposed to be leading. I don't 
No. That might be true of the world, but it's not true of the Christian faith. Because one of the greatest things I've learned as I've looked at things this way, I leave space for God, is I don't know, but I need to leave space for God to do something that I'm not expecting. I don't know, but I do know that God's going to do something amazing. But I've got to give him the time in my schedule to reorganize it, to actually do it. Martin Luther, who is a famous reformer, if you grew up in the Lutheran faith, you might have heard of this guy. If you've grown up in a more traditional faith, you may have heard of him as a reformer. But he said this, and it's a profound statement. He says, I have so much to do that I'll spend the first three hours in prayer. So this is this idea of you've got to set your day up with prayer and then leave space for God to do something. And that'll be the water walking moment. That'll be the miracle for you. So let me ask you some things. How's your prayer life? Like, don't have to tell me, but get honest with yourself for a second. Is your prayer life that you only cry out to God when there's a problem? That's a lot of people. It's okay, at least you're talking to God, okay? But that's not where God wants you. He wants you further along than that. Is your prayer life you only pray over meals because you feel obligated to and that's what you were raised to do? Is your prayer life... You only reach out to God and tell him what you want and what's wrong with your life and the world around you? Or is your prayer life starting to develop into more of a conversation with God? A conversation that not only is a great conversation in your morning and in your evening and at your lunchtime, but it's a running conversation where you're talking to him about what do you want to do? How are you at work? And then you're listening for that still small voice that speaks back to you. And you're reading his word and he's speaking to you through his word. And you're gathering with other people in intimacy of fellowship and group. And then they're actually speaking into your life as well. By the way, I found in my life that that's the three ways I consistently hear from God. Let me give them to you because if you overemphasize one or the other, I believe you'll get unbalanced. God still speaks to his people. I want you to know, I won't freak you out. Because when he shows up and speaks to you, it's going to freak you out if you've never had this experience. You will get such a strong impression of what he will put into your mind and heart. You're like, ooh, that was wild. That was not from me. That was from the Lord. Like it'll interrupt your thoughts, interrupt your thinking, interrupt the pattern of how you think. And when it happens, you're like, wow. Then you go, was that God or was that me? Does that sound familiar? Was that my head or did God just speak? So then you go to his word. And you look in his word in your quiet time and your devotion time. And you say, okay, what I heard from God is that confirmed here. Does God confirm what he's already said in his word, what he just put in my head and heart? And then I go to the people trusted in my life that are spiritually mature. And I say to them, I think God just gave me an impression of this. He's confirming it in the word this way. What do you think? You know me pretty well. You know the situation pretty well. And they'll say, hmm, let me pray about it sometimes. And they'll come back to you and say, that sounds exactly what I think God's doing in your life. All three work in harmony to confirm. And here's what we do. This is why you got to be careful in your prayer life. Sometimes we hear the impression, and it is our head, by the way. we got this thing called an ego. We think far more of ourselves than everybody else does, and even how God thinks of us. And we hear this, we're like, yeah, God, that sounds great. And it wasn't God, it was you. And then you rush ahead into the boat, and you miss the miracle that God planned. This is why you have to all three confirm. And when they confirm you will have this moment where you leave space for a miracle. Let me tell you an illustration that may help you. Prayer is like muscle. If you want to get better and work out at something, you do it repetitively the same way. And it's going to hurt. 
and it's going to break the tissue down. But as the tissue gets broke down and it gets healed, your muscles get bigger, right? They get more defined. They get to the place they need to be so that when the moment comes and you're already in shape for it, you're right there. That's the way prayer works. You don't wake up on the end and go, man, I need to start praying. And then you pray. Mm -mm. There's a consistency of your life over the span of time that you've built. And when you build it the right way and you have this prayer muscle, oh, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. Your prayer life just extends as a natural part of where you are in your conversation with God because you're constantly in a prayer moment with the living God. This is what prayer looks like. And what I want you to think about as we think about time and you think about your prayer life is how often do you start your day going, God, here's my agenda. I've put my yeses and nos on the plate. I've put my yeses and nos on the blank. This is what I think I'm proposing and submitting to you but I'm giving you space in this conversation. Change anything you want to change. Line up conversations that I didn't think would happen today. Line up miracles that I never thought I'd be a part of. Move in my life in ways I could never perceive or think of, and I'll rearrange everything if I get to have a moment like that with you in your kingdom. That's what this looks like, and this is why it's so important. I guarantee everything that Jesus went through Every one of those miracles that we get to read about, they were all preceded with prayer. He knew what was coming. How did he know to hang out at the well with a woman? Can you imagine that conversation? Send your boys into town to get some food, get some supplies, but you stay here. He left moment for that miracle. Every single miracle you see, there was a moment that he left space for it. And I love that. And we need this in our culture. And we as a church family and as a spiritual follower of Jesus need to give space for God to continue to do his miracles. So this week, here's what I'm asking you to do this week. Set aside 15 minutes every day to pray. Very practical. You can do this. 15 minutes at some point in your day, your lunchtime, your morning time, your evening time, you figure out where you'll do it. But 15 minutes of just praying and talking to God, review your day, review what's coming ahead, review your schedule, bring your work into it, bring your family life into it, bring your children into it. And here's the harder one. I'm going to ask you for just one week. Pick one day to fast the whole day. Fast. And extend the prayer time to 30 minutes that day. Just one day. So 15 minutes every day. But one day this week, whether it's a lunchtime or maybe if you're diabetic and you got this, it could be breakfast, it could be lunch, but maybe you go full 24 hours, okay? You pray and ask God what he wants to do. But in that season, when you're in that, at least spend 30 minutes uninterrupted, no phone near you, no distractions, and present your whole day and life before God. And if you will do this, here's what I believe with all of my heart's going to happen. His voice is going to show up. And you're going to be reminded of scriptures that you've read. You're going to be reminded of areas of your life you're struggling with. You're going to be reminded of God's goodness. Like all these things will happen as a natural conversation goes back and forth with you and the Father. And then he's going to start showing you and teaching you how to redo your time so that through your time, he might continue to walk on water and expand the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes for one day with a fast. And then let me know, please let me know, because I am believing wholeheartedly God's going to show up in your life the way he's shown up in mine and exactly the way he did in the life of Jesus. 
please email me, text me, Facebook message. I don't care how you get it, but tell me how God is showing up and tell your friends, tell your group, tell the people closest to you. This is how we see God redeem time because we can't get it back once we've spent it. But what we can do is redeem it by investing it the way Jesus did and then letting God do a miracle in our life. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you for each and every person here in this moment. Thank you for those that will listen later. Thank you for those serving, especially back in our children's ministry and giving of their lives in this moment. Father, we need to live in a different way. We live in a world that tries to conform us in every way. They want to conform our time. They want to conform our sexuality. Father, they want to conform the way that we think about issues. And everything that we have around us is bombarding us with thoughts and different ways that we should live. And then produces a spirit inside of us of guilt when we don't measure up. Lord, we need a new rhythm. And part of that rhythm is we've looked to the life of Jesus and we see he consistently spent a lot of time in prayer. We look at prayer as a punchline or over a meal instead of something that's necessary for every aspect of our life. Father, this week, teach us it's the most spiritually nourishing thing we're going to do is spend time with you in prayer. You're prepared to meet us, to move in our life, to bring moments that we can't expect. And you're waiting for us just to give you time. Lord, meet us in the fast, whatever we fast, whether it's food or social media or whatever you ask us to give up, that we might spend a concentrated time with you for 30 minutes. Show us how to live a better life, a more abundant life, a fruitful life. We'll give you all the glory and we'll give you all the honor because it's such a great, an amazing and great adventure just to live a life of faith through conversation with you, through your scriptures, through your people, and through direct interaction with your Holy Spirit. We thank you for how you're going to work in our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, hey, a couple things as you think about uh, what's coming forward. Uh, make sure you take a chance to look at the back of the bulletin. Uh, if you got the bulletin when you came in, there's some announcements there, some really fun things happening. Um, we're continuing to uh, collect money for something called Love Gives. Love Gives is we're going to be giving to a family who's adopting. And dollar for dollar, we want that to go to their adoption expenses. If you've ever adopted, you know it's expensive. And the church family would like to gather around and help a family with adoption. It's something we, we, we try to do every year, and sometimes we miss it, but we want to do it again this year as we uh, build into Bless the Family. St. Patrick's Day, we're going to be having a party. There's nothing, uh, nothing more fancy than that. It's a party. It's a hangout. It's a fun time. There's ham and cabbage involved. You can find Barbara to learn more about it. She's even got her green on with her hat. And so, yep, she can show you. Um, all I can tell you is ham and cabbage is awesome and bring Bino. Because um, it'll be a gassy night, okay? So Gemstones Prom is coming our way. If you don't know anything about Gemstones Prom, it's a prom where we actually get to bless as a community, the special needs community all around us. Um, there is a role for everyone. Someone was asking me earlier, like, do I have to serve as a buddy? No, no, if, if that's hard for you, there are so many different ways to serve, uh, but we are um, coming close to the deadline. You have to sign up by March 9th, 
It is something available to every single person. Just know if you're working with a special needs community, we will have to run a background check because we want to make sure the special community is protected from um, different folks that are predators in our, in our community. And just a lot of cool things like that. Uh, make sure you fill out the Connect card if you're a first-time guest and you go by the uh, welcome desk. There's a gift there for you. And, and in addition, please let me know if there's something uh, that God stirs you today on. That, like, I'm working through this. I'm praying through this. Uh, maybe the whole prayer thing was a challenge for you and you just want extra prayer over your prayer, let me know and you can put all those in the offering box which is on your way out on the left. That's also where you'll put your Love uh, Love Gives offering uh, for this week. God's doing a lot of cool and amazing things in our community. He's moving, church family, and he's not just moving here. He's moving all kinds of different places around us and it's exciting to be a part of that. So uh, be reminded that the Christian journey is not a spectator sport. It's one that God wants every single one of us to engage in in some way, in some form, in some fashion. And so if you're uh, not sure where you can engage or get plugged in, let me know. Let one of the leaders know. So I'm going to pray for you, prayer, prayer, prayer of blessing over you, and then you're going to have a great weekend. And I'm believing for some miracles this week because you're setting aside time just to spend with God in prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, your blessing over your people. We pray that um, in every area that you engage with your people in a special way. For those that don't yet know you, introduce yourself to them. For those struggling with an issue, show them that it is the power of the resurrection of Christ that overcomes every aspect of our life. And for those that are just wanting to go deeper, Lord, help them especially through prayer this week to go deeper with you so they can walk more like Jesus. Bless your people this day that they might go out and share the good news of who you are and what you've done in their lives. In Jesus' name we ask and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a blessed Sunday, y'all.